This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nathaniel Paul Thurston. I'm hanging out today by myself in this room because our co-host Charlie is not here. He's off in the Bahamas playing some poker, doing whatever. I actually haven't talked to him in quite some time. I don't know how poker is going. Uh, I don't know when he's coming back. Maybe I should shoot him a text sometime and just see how everything uh, in his life is going. But I'm not completely alone. I am hanging out with some of the fine folks in the Fed Haters Club. They join by going to joingml.com for as little as seven bucks a month. You can save the entire human race and planet Earth. That's all it takes, seven bucks a month. That's pretty good, right? How many cents a day is that? It's not that much. And you can save the planet, folks, okay? Anyway, we had a Republican presidential debate last night. I didn't watch it, like many of you probably did not watch it, because I don't really care that much. Uh, But we did get some pretty good clips. I basically have relied on Twitter to provide me with the clips that I needed to hear. And what I found out from Twitter slash X uh, is that I only need to see clips from Vivek Ramaswamy or if Nikki Haley says something really dumb. And so those are the things that we're going to be covering in the uh, the first segment of today's show. And then we'll talk a little bit about some stuff that uh, Congress is doing. Uh, They voted on funding for all of our wars, and uh, that did not pass. And then we also had a shooting yesterday. Uh, I'm sure there were a lot of shootings, but there's one that a couple people are talking about. And mainly some of the ridiculous, super dumb responses that we had afterwards, like two of them uh, specifically that we'll talk about. Okay, let's get into a little bit of this debate. Of course, I have a screenshot here of Vivek Ramaswamy. What are the, with the balloons? Did you guys in the Fed Haters Club just see the balloons go across here? Who's doing that? How does that happen? I don't know if you guys are watching the video, but balloons just went across the screen. And it's only on OBS. It didn't happen on my computer. It it didn't happen on this computer screen over here. Um, it's not Discord because it's happening in OB. I don't understand. I don't want the balloons. Can someone, I want to talk to the manager of the balloons. Okay, let's go over some of the clips. Let's see. Vivek Ramaswamy, I got a few from him, and then we have one from Nikki Haley as well. Uh, he's my, I would say he's my favorite person out of these four. Uh, does that Does that matter? I don't know. Uh, I guess it can. Um, Sure, Trump is winning by 50% right now, but what if something happens? He's old, you know? We never know what could happen. He could could die. He could be in prison and somehow uh, not get the actual Republican nomination. I don't know how that whole thing works. They could end up trying to not nominate nominate him because he's 
uh, been convicted of some crimes or something like that. Um, I don't know. So I think that this is more potentially more important than some people think because uh, we're on such unsure footing for next year that we think we know who the two candidates are going to be. And there is a outside likelihood that it could be two completely different candidates. I think the establishment, whoever that is, whoever they are, uh, definitely want Nikki Haley to be the nominee. That's who seems to be getting pushed the most. And she's been making the, uh, a lot of the gains recently. Vivek Ramaswamy was trying to take care of that. Uh, the really kind of a funny moment where he uh, he's, he tweets out here, I made a bet that Nikki Haley couldn't name three regions of Eastern Ukraine that she wants to send America's sons and daughters to die fighting for. It turns out I was right. Now, critics have pointed out, which he, uh, he said this a lot, saying that they want to send sons and daughters to die in Ukraine. And critics have pointed out, well, no one's talking about sending troops to Ukraine. No one's talking about boots on the ground in Ukraine. But I think he's right about this because you got to play this out in your head. Like how many years can this go on where we are just funding Ukraine and fighting a proxy war against Russia before we decide that this is a big enough deal that we need to go ahead and send over some troops to try and shore Ukraine and to try and chase all of our money that we've sent over there already. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility that we could end up with U.S. troops on the ground over there. So I don't think he's totally off base. Uh, let's hear him trying to get her to name three regions in Ukraine. She declines to say anything because she can't. So foreign policy experience is not the same as foreign policy wisdom. I want everybody at home to know that I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden who still support this, what I believe is pointless war in Ukraine. And I think those with foreign policy experience, one thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at that. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go fight it. So reject this myth that they've been selling you, that somebody had a cup of coffee stint at the UN and then makes eight million bucks after, has real foreign policy experience. It takes an outsider to see this through. Look at the blank expression. She doesn't know the names of the provinces that she wants to actually fight for. And there's a puppet masters right there. The donors, the donors right there that are playing like the puppet masters. All right. In another clip of this, it wasn't in the one that I actually picked up. The, uh, the moderators actually gave her... Uh, a little bit of a handout there, a little bit of a save, because instead of going to her and asking her if she wanted to respond when he was pointing at her and pointing her out the entire time, they actually went to Chris Christie and asked if he wanted to respond to this. So they, they kind of gave her a minute, uh, which wasn't caught in this clip right here. I saw it in one earlier. I think it's a pretty good point. Uh, she wants to send at least billions of dollars over there, if not eventually troops and can't even name three parts of the country. Listen, if she could, then she would have spoken up and she would have named three regions of the country uh, that she wants to send all that money over to. And she clearly could not. And I don't know if anyone else on the stage could either. It's a great point. I'm glad that he did it. I don't think it's going to destroy her career 
or anything like that uh, because she wasn't put on the spot. You didn't get that moment of her sitting there stumbling over the names, trying to uh, to name things like, uh, see, now I'm going to blank on his name. What was the dude from Texas that couldn't name the departments that he wanted to get rid of? That was one of uh, one of the most embarrassing clips that you'll see on a Republican debate. I can't remember the dude's name. Uh, anyhow, if anyone in the group remembers, let me know. Okay, let's move on to a, another clip right fast. Um, Vivek to Christie. Uh, this is him. Him and Christie kind of got it on last night, uh, you know, in a debate way, uh, not any other any other kind of way. Uh, but they were going back and forth last night. Christie was kind of attacking Vivek quite a bit, and I think that's because Trump wasn't on the stage, and so he looks at Vivek as kind of a Trump proxy right now, and so that's why he's attacking him. Uh, let's listen to this exchange right here. So first of all, I think we just learned something from Chris Christie. We learned three things. We learned three things right there. First of all, Chris Christie also doesn't know what provinces in eastern Ukraine he actually wants us to fight for. Chris, your version of foreign policy experience was closing a bridge from New Jersey to New York. So do everybody a favor. Just walk yourself off that stage, enjoy a nice meal, and get the hell out of this race. When it comes to Nikki, I think if you're going to actually send your sons and daughters to go die in somebody else's war, excuse me, Chris, I'm speaking, and I'm not done yet. You had your chance, and we're going to be done. So listen up to this. If these people want to send your sons and daughters to go die in Ukraine, they've been arguing for it for a year. $200 billion of our taxpayer money sent over. Neither of them could even name for you the provinces that they actually want to protect. And this is the people who have been touting their so-called foreign policy experience. It is intellectual fraud. These people are lying to you, the same people who told you about weapons and mass destruction in Iraq to justify that invasion, didn't know the first thing about it, yet they sent thousands of our sons and daughters to go die. The same people who told you the same in Afghanistan, where the Taliban is still in charge 20 years later. Seven trillion of our national debt due to these toxic neocons. You can put lipstick on a Dick Cheney, it is still a fascist neocon. Thank and you, you Mr. Ramaswamy. Thank you, Mr. Ramaswamy. Dick Cheney all over again okay. in this part. Thank you, Mr. Ramaswamy. He pulled out the F word there. Fascist neocons. How about that? A pretty good moment. Yet again, I'm playing Vivek clips because he's the only one saying anything close to uh, the truth on uh, especially the foreign policy things. And so he aligns most closely with uh, a lot of libertarian ideas. I'm not saying that he's a libertarian or anything, but he definitely aligns closely on that. Uh, There's one more big clip. I think this is in closing. It might cover some of what just happened, but he names off a few things here. Uh, He names off January 6th and 9-11 and the election being stolen, uh, things like that. And so let's hear one more clip and then we'll go to the Nikki Haley thing. With all three of my other colleagues on this debate stage, is all three of them have been licking Donald Trump's boots for years for money and endorsements. Ron DeSantis, you've been a great governor, but you would have never been one without actually begging Donald Trump for that endorsement. And you attacked him in your book a year ago. Same thing with Chris Christie as a lobbyist, begging them for COVID money for his special interests in New Jersey, prepping him for the debates last time around. These people are now Monday morning quarterbacking some decision he made. I think the real enemy is not Donald Trump. It's not even Joe Biden. It is the deep state that at least Donald Trump attempted to take on. And if you want somebody who's going to speak truth to power, then vote for somebody who's going to speak the truth to you. Why am I the only person on the stage, at least, who can say that January 6th now does look like it was an inside job? 
that the government lied to us for 20 years about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11, that the great replacement theory is not some grand right-wing conspiracy theory, but a basic statement of the Democratic Party's platform, that the 2020 election was indeed stolen by big tech, that the 2016 election, the one that Trump won for sure, was also one that was stolen from him by the national security establishment <laughs> okay. that actually Thank put you. up the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that they knew was false. There's a reason why I'm the only person That'll on the it, stage sir. who can Thank say you. these things. That's what it's going to take, not people who were licking his boots one time and now Monday okay. morning quarterbacking and criticizing him when it's convenient. All right. So that's pretty good. Yet again, the things he names off in that clip, January 6th, was an inside job. Um, I have, I think that there were a lot of agents out there. Um, I don't know that it was completely orchestrated or anything, so I'm not going to dip my toes in that water uh, right now. The 9-11 thing, talking about Saudi Arabia, the government lying to us about Saudi Arabia's involvement. Yeah, we just kind of glossed over that whole thing. We're still friends with the people who uh, like funded 9-11 just because we need their oil. So we're just going to look the other way. Uh, that's a that's a real thing. It's not, it's not even conspiracy theory. They've just totally ignored this. Uh, he says the 2020 election was stolen by big tech. So he specifically says it uh, that way. Not that votes were uh, not counted or too many votes were counted. Uh, he talks about the big tech censorship. And when you frame it that way, I think he is... Uh, he is right about that, especially when it comes to the Hunter Biden laptop story. He mentions uh, the 2016 and the Russiagate hoax and th him having that election stolen from I mean, he did he did win that when he was the president for four years. But I guess he was looked at as an illegitimate president because of uh, be because of um, people thinking that Russia stole that. Um, Taskal Warlock said Tucker's going to expose 9-11 soon. Um, so he put up a clip of, I was going to ask if you guys saw this. He put up a clip of Alex Jones predicting 9-11. And then he, I saw yesterday, I believe he announced he's going to have Alex Jones on his show uh, pretty soon. So that could end up being the most watched video ever. And I want to see if it's going to get censored on X since, uh, since, Alex Jones is not allowed to uh, come back on to Twitter X. And so we'll we'll see. They're going to be testing the waters there uh, for sure. I'm sure they'll let all that stuff slide. Let's move on to a Nikki Haley thing. There was another good moment, by the way, that I didn't bring in here where he held up a piece of paper that said uh, Nikki Haley equals corruption or something like that. Uh, that was pretty good. He's trying to hammer that one home pretty good because she's been moving up in the polls a lot. Um Let's go to this clip where she's talking about TikTok and this egregious misuse of data. And we'll talk about that afterwards. But she's making the point that the more time you spend on TikTok, the more anti-Semitic you get. Let's let's hear her say it. We really do need to ban TikTok once and for all. And let me tell you why. For every 30 minutes that someone watches TikTok every day, they become 17% more anti-Semitic, more pro-Hamas based on doing that. We now know that 50% of adults 18 to 25 think that Hamas was warranted in what they did with Israel. That's a problem. We really... <sighs> okay. For every 30 minutes that someone watches TikTok every day, they become 17% more anti-Semitic or more pro-Hamas. Just 
hearing that stat, you know, should send alarm bells off in your head. Like this doesn't seem possible. It wouldn't take that long before you were Hitler. And so what is she actually talking about? That should be the question that people have. There was this study uh, that was done that came out recently and it says the relationship between platform usage and anti-Semitic slash anti-Israel views. Those are two separate things, by the way. And w one of the big problems that we have right now is that um, is that people are conflating anti-Semitism and uh, anti-Israel and saying that those are the same thing. Uh, they're not. They're not the same thing uh, at all. You can be against the government and something that they're doing and not be against a, a religious group. You know, uh, those are those are very different things. Anyhow, at the bottom of this, so you'll see these, if you're not watching on YouTube or Rumble or whatever, um, TikTok, Instagram, and X. Uh, TikTok, it's up here at the 17% number. Instagram is around six and X is around two. And on the side, it says change in likelihood that you would be, anti-Semitic or anti-Israel. All right. Down here at the bottom, they explain what these bars are actually saying. This is a survey of 1,300 Americans under 30 years old conducted by Generation Lab. Uh, let's see. Compares people who use a platform for more than 30 minutes a day with those who don't use it at all. That's a very different thing from what she just said. Just to be clear. Uh, people who use a platform for more than 30 minutes a day, and it says that you're 17% more likely to have anti-Semitic views. That does not mean that every 30 minutes you were on the platform, you become 17% more anti-Semitic. That's, no, that's not it. And if it, who, whatever, whichever one of her staffers fed her this information or this line. Surely she didn't come up with it herself. People are criticizing, have criticized her daughter for having a prominent uh, TikTok account that she was using. So she must be Hitler also because she's been on there quite a bit. So um, I'm glad that uh, Big Gus did the math. I did the math also. Um, I did the same thing. If you start at 1% anti-Semitic, you'll be 100%. Uh, but if you start at zero, you're not... So... If you are completely not anti-Semitic, then you're fine because you can't have 17% growth on top of zero. Uh, but if you are just a little bit, then that's going to catch on like like wildfire, okay? And um, it's not going to take it's not going to take a month. Actually, we're talking every uh, we are talking compounding 17% more on top, and those are not. Those, just to, not to criticize, those are not days. Those are 30-minute blocks uh, that you're counting right there. So it's actually after 15 hours, you become 111% anti-Semitic. You've got some to go around, and that's going to spread. When you've got too much anti-Semitism and you've got 11% extra in the tank, uh, then you're going to be spreading that around to other people, even just 1% per person, and it's going to take uh, less than a day if you just watch 15 hours straight of TikTok, that's that's just going to compound uh, into, uh, look at this chart right here. I did the math, okay? Uh, this is uh, how many hours you spend on TikTok. And this is anti-Semitic, uh, which I think I have anti-Semitic misspelled there, but don't pay attention to that. I mean, this gets dangerous. You spend 16 and a half hours 
or 17 hours on TikTok, you're talking about being over 200% uh, anti-Semitic, and that's dangerous, okay? From uh, from the charts I've seen, Hitler was only like 92% anti-Semitic. So this has got to be one of the most dangerous platforms I've ever seen. But no, this is what, this is literally what she said in that response, was that every 30 minutes you spend, you become 17% more anti-Semitic. And that's what this actually looks like on a on a chart, so uh, that's not what happens. It just means that if you allegedly, if you use the platform for more than 30 minutes a day, you're likely to be anti-Semitic slash anti-Israel. And that's a pretty important distinction. What could happen is that you end up seeing a video that explains something historical that someone hasn't heard before because they only listened to Ben Shapiro's show or something like that. And that doesn't mean that you're that you hate Jews. That can mean that you don't like the government of Israel, which has existed since 1948 or whatever. So that that doesn't mean that you hate Jews. You could just not like a, a government that exists on planet Earth. I think that you could separate out a country's government with the religion of the people that are there. So that's dumb. We're going to have to put that in Dumb Bleep of the Week. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're coming up on the holiday season, and honestly, I used to dread this part of the year. Seriously, did. Uh, it can be so stressful trying to find gifts, coordinate schedules. You guys ever try to schedule with your family during the holidays? Uh, plus, to me, it's always marked the passing of yet another year. And when I say that out loud, I can't believe that I used to look at that as a bad thing, the passing of another year. Not everyone gets that. But adding something new and positive can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all the stress, just like it was for me when I tried it. That's right, doing therapy worked for me and it can work for you too. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash G-M-L. Let's move on to something else. We'll cover a couple more things. Of course, when Charlie isn't here, it just it just sucks the life out of the podcast. We're not talking back and forth. We're not laughing about anything. We could have just been laughing about that chart. And instead, Charlie's playing poker in the Bahamas, okay? And so, listen, I get it. I know, all right? I'm giving it my all out here, okay? At least three killed on the UNLV campus. Suspect uh, is dead. This happened yesterday I think around noon, something like that. A gunman opened fire on the campus of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas on Wednesday, killing three people and wounding a fourth before being shot dead by police. The suspect has not been named. That's an important point. The suspect has not been named, but according to law enforcement sources, he's a man in his 60s. He began shooting on the fourth floor of Beam Hall, a building on campus. Uh, the, police, the police said the suspect continued to multiple floors before he was neutralized outside the building person wounded in the shootings was initially listed in critical condition, but police later said they were stable. That's good. That's good news. University police responded to the calls of shots fired around 1145 a.m. local time or 245 Eastern. That's why I thought this was 
This, this was in the afternoon. Uh, for us, two university police detectives immediately engaged the suspect in a shootout that resulted in the gunman's death. Hey, good job for those cops. Uh, let's see what we know about the shooting. The suspect, which killed at least three people, is a man in the 60s. Law enforcement sources familiar with the investigation told there's no immediate information about the motive. And they haven't even at this point when this article came out, which was this morning. Uh, this was updated around 6 a.m. this morning. Had not named the shooter yet. All right. At least three people were killed. Fourth person is in stable condition now. Uh, the suspect is dead. So the reason I keep hammering home the point that we don't even know who the shooter is, we don't know anything about their motive, is that we've already found some people online that apparently know how we could have stopped this, even though they know nothing about the shooter whatsoever. And this, this one gets really annoying is when you use these shootings to push whatever policy positions you have and you act like if people just would have listened to you, then these people wouldn't have died. Then this person wouldn't have had a gun and this tragedy wouldn't have happened. It's literally impossible for you to know that because you don't know anything about the shooter. And at this point, they're pushing background checks. That's because there were some votes on background checks uh, yesterday, I believe. Uh, Chris Murphy from Connecticut posted out today. I asked my colleague, this is yesterday. Today, I asked my colleagues to pass my universal firearms background checks legislation. It's supported by 90% of Americans and would save thousands of lives. Republicans blocked it. Three hours later, another mass shooting and UNLV. This carnage is a choice. Now, let's say that background checks would keep guns out of the hands of people, even though it's uh, completely possible to get guns by other means, like the three guns that I have, which I would pass all the background checks for, but I didn't get them from a gun store. Okay, we'll just say it that way. But anyway, let's pretend like that would have happened, like if you pass background checks, that that would actually save thousands of people's lives. We know nothing about the shooter, especially at the time that Chris Murphy posted this out. They don't know how the shooter got the gun. They didn't mention what kind of gun was used. They didn't mention if he had any kind of history of anything that would have stopped him from getting the gun or guns. He's just out there pushing his legislation and trying to talk about how Republicans are leading the people dying. Next one from Samuel Schwartz, uh, who I think I... I looked at his name. I think a family member died at Parkland, something like that. He has an orange square on his name, so you know that he cares about gun violence or whatever. Uh, Samuel Schwartz says, Today, Republicans shot down three... I like that use of the word there. Republicans shot down three life-saving gun bills. Hours later, there are reports of yet another mass shooting, this time at UNLV. This could have been prevented if these bills were passed. Sadly, Republicans serve the gun lobby and not the American people. So yet again, at 3.26 p.m., this was posted, which is just a couple hours after the shooting took place. This person is saying if Republicans would have passed uh, some kind of bill that this one would have been prevented. You don't know how the person got the gun. You don't know why they shot up the place. You don't know what guns were used. You don't know any of that stuff at all. Maybe they passed background checks. Maybe it's a stolen gun. Maybe they bought it on the black market somewhere. You got no clue whatsoever. But what you do know is that you can jump over to Twitter and you can post about how Republicans are getting people killed 
and that your legislation or legislation that you support could have stopped this from happening. And you don't know that because you don't know how it happened. And that gets uh, really annoying sometimes, just sometimes. Maybe this tweet should be in Dumb Leap of the Week. We'll see for tomorrow morning. In other news, outside of the debate and uh, outside of this shooting that took place, if we get more information that's, that's pertinent, and uh, we'll talk more about the shooting, we'll see. Republic Republicans blocked aid to Ukraine, jeopardizing its fight against Russia, because that's our job. Republicans on Wednesday blocked an emergency spending bill to fund the war in Ukraine, demanding strict new border restrictions in exchange and severely jeopardizing President Biden's push to replenish the war chests of American allies before the end of the year. While the bill faltered over an unrelated immigration policy dispute, the resistance has met, it has met in Congress reflects the dwindling appetite among Republicans for back in Ukraine as polls show Americans are losing interest in providing financial assistance. Uh, the vote was 49 to 51. It needed to get 60 to move on. Uh, to advance. One thing that bothers me on this one is that apparently it was blocked because they didn't get the border restrictions that they wanted, meaning if they would have gotten some more of the border restrictions they wanted, they would have been totally fine with giving Ukraine another $50 billion and giving Israel $14 billion. That was all. Republicans held ranks against the $111 billion bill which would provide about $50 billion in security assistance to Ukraine, more for economic and humanitarian aid, and another $14 billion towards arming Israel in its war against Hamas. They voted no despite a series of last-ditch appeals from Democrats and an appeal by Mr. Biden, who said he was prepared to offer significant compromises on the border and scolded them for abandoning Ukraine in its hour of need. Make no mistake, today's vote is going to be a long remember. History is going to judge harshly those who turn their backs on freedom's cause, Mr. Biden said on Wednesday at the White House, just hours before the vote. He said Republicans are willing to literally kneecap Ukraine on the battlefield and damage our national security in the pro. How is that damage? Has anyone explained? Have you seen it explained how this damages United States national security? What's uh, what's going on over there in Ukraine? I don't really know if it does. Someone let me know. I haven't really heard it yet. From Zero Hedge here, Janet Yellen has joined Zelensky in saying that the U.S. would be responsible for Ukraine's defeat. If we don't give them more money, we are the ones that are responsible. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the U.S. would be responsible for Ukraine's defeat if Congress fails to approve the Biden administration's $106 billion request to fund the wars in Ukraine and Israel, among other security issues. Uh, Yellen made the remarks on Tuesday in Mexico City, calling the funding utterly essential. She's the Treasury Secretary. Why is she one of the biggest war hawks out there? That's just kind of weird, I think. That's a, that's a little weird. Someone work this out for me also. How is it, if we don't forcefully take money from people in America. If you don't have a gun put to your head and we give it to the government and the government votes to give it to another government, then it's our, it's our responsibility if Ukraine loses. And when did they become our responsibility? I don't remember voting on that. I don't remember even voting for someone that voted on that. So I'm not sure how you work this out. Is That is completely ridiculous. If anyone... 
There's two people who would be responsible. Number one would be the country that invaded them. I think they're responsible for Ukraine's defeat. And the other one would be Ukraine. That they should have done a good enough job building their country up and building their defenses up that they didn't have to rely on billions of dollars stolen from other people around the world. So it, you put a list down of people who are responsible for Ukraine's defeat. I don't know how you put America on there when we've given them more than anyone else in the world and almost any, more than anyone else in the world combined, but this is our fault, okay? Uh, Ukraine aid will stop flowing in the matter of three weeks. Zelensky's chief of staff, Yermak, said the following words on Tuesday. If the U.S. postpones military aid to Ukraine, there is a big risk the country could lose its war with Russia. Uh, Ukraine President Zelensky's chief of staff uh, said that, speaking at the U.S. Institute for Peace during a visit to Washington, Yermak said a failure by Congress to approve more aid to Ukraine could make it impossible to liberate more territory captured by Russia and give the big risk to lose this war. If the help, which is now debating in Congress, will be just postponed, it gives the big risk that we can be in the same position we're located now. Uh, he said that speaking in English, and he did a really uh, terrible job. Hey, it's a good thing that they blocked the aid, in my opinion. I am slightly concerned for the reason that they blocked it, because all the reasons that I've seen have had to do with... Uh, the border. And if they just get what they want on the border, then they'll end up giving up this $50 billion to Ukraine and the $14 billion to Israel. That's a compromise in the wrong direction. These bills should be split up. We talked about this months ago that they were going to put all this stuff together and that would eventually lead to them, uh, to them approving all of this. And it probably will eventually, whatever it is that they want on the border, I guess they'll end up getting it. And then on top of that, we'll send another 50 billion to Ukraine and 14 billion to Israel. So it's not really about not wanting to send that money to them. It's about a bargaining chip right now. They're totally fine to spend the money. They just want to get what they want for it. All right, let's move on. I want to say uh, something, something good that happened. I want to give a props to community notes real quick. I'm not saying that they saw my post about it. No, there's several people that posted about this. As we talked about last week, Joe Biden has do it, been doing his best to fix the economy. Sorry, he's been doing his best to fix the misinformation on the economy. And so he just goes out there and he talks about how great the economy is. And he talks about how great they are at creating jobs. And one of the things he posted just a couple days ago was we've created close to 800,000 manufacturing jobs since I've taken office. Uh, so we responded with this. So he says 800,000 manufacturing jobs since I've taken office. So we responded to this with uh, accounting for the obvious fact that government policies kept people from working during the pandemic. The majority of these jobs were created by allowing people to go back to work. Because can you really call that creation when people weren't allowed to go to work? And then you eventually said, okay, yeah, you can go to work. There are only 175,000 more manufacturing jobs since the month before the pandemic began, which is a 1.3% increase uh, in the jobs, not four times that, like he's talking about. There were 1.3, almost 1.4 million jobs that were lost because of the government's response to the pandemic. So, of course, when people were allowed to go back to work, 
those jobs started coming back. And what's most important is how are we in relation to the point before the government started putting people out of work? Because you cannot take credit for just allowing people to go back to work. So the good news on this uh, was that community notes came right in pretty, pretty quickly, actually. And they said the close to 800,000, which is 764,000 manufacturing jobs total, is factually correct, but missing context. The October 2023 figure is 175,000 higher than the February 2020 peak from before COVID-19 forced layoffs. It's more accurate to say that 589,000 manufacturing jobs were recovered and 175,000 were created. Good job. Good job on you, community notes. And I think what I'm going to do, folks, since it's just me, I'm going to end it right there with a few great topics. We'll end on a strong note. We'll end on a positive thing. I tweeted out after this that when my grandchildren asked me how our republic was saved, I'm going to say community notes. Now, I'm not going to have any grandchildren because I don't have any kids. And I'm not going to have any kids. But you, you understand the idea. You could say that, you know, not, not me if you have kids. So anyhow, let's get out of here. If you enjoyed today's show, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell the children. Make sure you go join all of our stuff. Follow us on all of the things that we have out there. That, that would be amazing. Leave ratings and reviews. If you're already subscribed or following the podcast, comment on stuff, retweet stuff. It's very important for all of the algorithms. It's very important for sharing this message out to the most amount of people possible. Unless you don't care about saving the, the world and all of humanity. I mean, that's up to you, whatever. And if you want to hang out with us live every single day of the week and we want to, go to joingmail.com. And if you want to rip your favorite merch, some of your favorite ideas, like this hoodie I'm wearing right now that says the answer to 1984 is 1776 on this hoodie. Then you want to go to godhatesfeds.com. Godhatesfeds.com. It's a joke, folks, okay? He gets it. He knows your heart, all right? Just go to the website, or you can check out the brand new goodmorningliberty.us. Anyhow, if you remember every single one of those websites and you go visit every single one of them and you subscribe to everything and follow us on everything and retweet and comment and leave ratings and reviews, if you do every single one of those things, then I'll be right back here again tomorrow for Dumb Bleep of the Week. We're getting to Dumb Bleep of the Year. We got January voting on right now. I'm about to release February. We're going to get it whittled down to the winner from each month. And then we're going to do a quarterly semifinal and we'll be down to the final four. And then we'll figure out who wins Dumbleep of the year. And if it was submitted by someone in the live group or whoever it is that submitted it, then that person gets a trophy too, just like the winner of Dumbleep of the year. All right, folks, do all those things. Until then, till tomorrow, have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. <laughs>